Bulimia sucks, but you don't, and here's why. The Bulimia Sucks podcast with Kate Hudson Hall will teach you how to begin breaking through the multitude of thoughts, feelings, triggers, and urges to empower yourself to change your painful behaviors completely. You will hear proven strategies and solutions to help you in your recovery, including real interviews with real people. Kate has just released a new best-selling book called Anxiety Hacks with proven techniques, tools, and tips to calm this. Check it out now on Amazon. And now... Another episode of Bulimia Sucks, the podcast. Hello and welcome to Bulimia Sucks. I'm your host, Kate Hudson-Hall, and thank you so much for listening. Now, this is a platform for people to share relatable and uplifting and inspiring conversations based on bulimia, anorexia and other eating disorders. Uh, We talk with people who are struggling now with their journey, um, their eating disorders journey, and sharing their personal stories and their difficult difficulties they're having and how they're taking their steps forward in their recovery. And then also to people who have overcome an eating disorder, but also talking with professionals who work with people with an eating disorder. So it's a, a good variety of different people that we talk to. Now, as a therapist, I've created a a free bulimia sucks course to help you get started on your recovery pathway. So if you would be interested in that, if you go to my website, katehudson-hall.com, and on the homepage, there's a sign up form so you can get started. And the other thing is that I am just, what I've written a book, a book on helping people with anxiety. So um, that has just been with the editor. So I've just got it back from the editor. So now I am going through the mountain of edits (laughs) to try and get that ready. So that's quite a challenge, but that's an interesting challenge and also an exciting one. Now, our guest today, I'm very excited to tell you about our guest. Our guest is Marcel Rose. Marcel specializes in helping women beat binge eating bulimia, emotional eating, and also yo-yo dieting so they can make peace with their body and heal their relationships with food. For many women, this is a transformational experience. So they're able to reclaim back their life. Marcel is a registered nutritionist and a health coach with specialist training in eating disorders. So we're very excited to talk to her. Marcel works with her clients on a one-to-one basis, in addition to running her 21-day Undiet Your Mind course, designed to unlock, unlock your diet mindset, unlearn your old food patterns, and make new confident choices. Marcel also loves supporting women with their food and body challenges within her free Facebook community called the Food Freedom Collective. So Marcel is here today to talk to us um, about how she helps people with an eating disorder and what advice, fantastic advice she can give us to help us on our journey. So welcome Marcel, it's fabulous that you can join us. Thank you for having me. Yay, thank (laughs) you so much. Now, Let's uh, let's uh, dive straight in and 
tell us tell us about um, the different ways and how you help people with an with an eating disorder. Because I'm sure that you know the different eating disorders, every everything, every you know, everybody's different as well. So there's a lot of different pathways about how you would address this. Yes, absolutely. Um, so obviously it does vary depending on what's going on for the individual, particularly. But um, you know, as a nutritionist, um, I think some people are quite surprised that it's not just about food. Um, yes. But we do start by trying to make things uh, helpful in terms of um, their physiology. So to try, so for in terms of uh, bulimia and binge eating, for example, it's really important. Well, and and restrictive eaters who are sort of under eating, particularly, it's really important that they're regulating their blood sugar so that they um but particularly for if they're likely to binge um that they they feel satiated after their meals they're not restricting so we very much go back to the basics and start to get the balance in with the food get um allow them to um learn to, to try and get joy from their food but get some balance in. So just trying to look at what they can do. So perhaps, you know, making sure that they, they might not be eating three meals a day, for example, they might be skipping meals and thinking, well, I'm not hungry um, earlier on in the day. Um, right. So I'll just, you know, I'll skip that meal and then perhaps, oh, I can go a bit longer. So I'll skip, you know, not eat till later. And then you're much more likely to um, end up binging um, so, so Marcel, so can I just interrupt you there? So for people that don't understand about their blood sugar levels and what that means if that drops really low, if they are you know, depriving themselves of food. So how yes. does that affect the body? How does yes. that, how, how yes. would you explain that? Well, it's a great question because actually it has so many different physiological effects on the body. Um, so if you think about if your blood, um, you know, your blood sugar is low, you're, you know, you're going to feel very shaky. You're going to be um, to have low energy. Um, it can affect all sorts of things. And and the problem is that what one tends to do is then say, well, I need to get something that, uh, you know, to eat something that's going to very quickly give me some energy. And when you've got this um, situation where you've got very low blood sugar and then perhaps have a binge and you eat perhaps more, you know, foods that are higher in carbohydrates and sugars, then you are um, going to be rate spiking that blood sugar very high and bringing in the insulin, uh, you know, releasing the insulin to get it down quickly. And then you in that situation where you've got this kind of uh, spike and then drop and spike and drop. And that's when you can start to feel, you know, you get the cra sugar cravings, um, the low energy anxiety sometimes, um, you know, problems with sleep as well. It can affect your sleep. Um, so it really can have an impact on so many areas, really. Right. Um, whereas when you're, when you're eating to regulate your blood sugar, you're much more likely to feel that satiated. You're less likely to crave sort of the sugars and things um, and, and in more likely to eat in a balanced way. Now, obviously, that's that's not the only thing that's going on in terms of 
um, binge eating and bulimia in particular. Um, but it's just one of the, 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 the things that we try and work on uh, to, to, to help stabilise things while we work on other things as well. And the importance of that, you know, I don't think we can stress enough how important it is that even though it may not be so easy for many people, but to, you know, to gradually start to eat even small amounts of food throughout the day rather than just, you know, right, okay, I'm just going to deprive myself completely. Yes, absolutely. Because of those blood sugar levels. Yeah, and it is, and I think what you said, you know, you stressed that it is just starting somewhere um, because it can feel very overwhelming for some people, I think, to suddenly say, you know, I wouldn't suddenly just say, right, I want you, you know, it's very much a collaborative um, sort of work that we do where we work on what could could we bring in um, in the morning? even though at the moment you don't necessarily feel hungry, but that's another thing we need to work on, those sort of appetite signals and hunger and satiety signals. But actually, what could we bring in that would help you feel satiated, that you would feel comfortable with to get started? Um, And then it's very much a gradual but collaborative process where we work on moving forward and bringing more foods into, more variety in to the diet in a balanced way so ideally in a in a perfect world what what would you suggest to have um for breakfast lunch and dinner so obviously it's going to be a combination of you know all sorts but um, yes yeah I suppose it like you say it depends on the individual what they feel that they can eat at that time but it's yes. something yes but what would be what would be something that would be uh, something positive for people to start to try and to eat? Um, well, it's really about thinking about trying to get a balance with some form of, you know, protein in there, um, ensuring that you're trying to get some fiber in there. So from, from veg, veggies and other, other forms of fibers, some grains perhaps, and, um, or beans and lentils, not not perhaps in the morning, but um, you know later on in the day. But thinking about protein, thinking about fiber, thinking about the natural fats that so many people still um, are worried about, but they really help you to feel satiated. So yes, um, trying to people switch. don't people don't know that, do they? I think they a lot of people don't. Yeah, Even yeah. They just think of it as you know as something that they would avoid at all costs, but. It yeah. does help them to keep and feel fuller longer by having Absolutely. a very small amount, doesn't it? Yeah, fuller longer. Food is more, you know, it's that sort of pleasurable aspect of food that's so important as well. I think that, um, you know, they are they're getting this balance and variety, and but actually learning to find things that they actually really enjoy and find pleasure from. So that's important to feel satisfied. Um and then you're less likely to be looking elsewhere for the things that are probably not so helpful. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so it's really around, so it's, everyone's different, obviously, what works for them. Um, but for example, a lot of people think of oats for breakfast. Um, some, some people like it, some people obviously don't, but you know, for those, for, if you like uh, porridge oats, it's about what else can you add into it as well to make it really delicious. Um, lots of nuts and seeds to give you um, 
to give you that satiety factor as well. That's some protein in there, some natural fats, lots of lovely other nutrients in there. Um, perhaps some lovely colorful berries or different fruits some cinnamon, you know, whatever. Um, make it interesting and delicious and it doesn't have to take a long time you know you can quickly chuck stuff in and it can be a very quick breakfast or you could do for example an overnight oats where you make it the night before in a jar and it's ready to go if you have to sort of run into work in the morning so that you know those kind of things can work quite well it's just thinking about really what can I add in that's going to help me feel better throughout the day and help prevent those sort of cravings from that physiological uh, standpoint, really. Yeah, yeah. And then how how else would you advise? So you, I suppose you go through the various different um, food um, types and and then give some idea, ideas and make a plan. So then how, how else would you help your client with an eating disorder? Yes, yeah, so we do a lot of work around, um, as I mentioned before, um, understanding their appetite cues. Um, oh, so yes, yes, we really, both aren't we, burying those. Yes, so that's something we, uh, yeah, absolutely, with an eating disorder, it's something that, you know, I think for a lot of people, not just those with an eating disorder, we've learned to override them. So we do a lot of work around that. So, um, and what I find can be helpful is we work on um, an online journal where um, it's not really uh, sort of in the sense of kind of <laughs> kind of diet mindset journal, food journaling where you're you know judging yourself on what you've eaten. It's very much okay. You can put down the food, but that's not the most important thing. It's really how you know how hungry were you before you ate. How hungry are you after you eat? Are you still hungry? Do you, you know, have, and, and really start to look at, you know, look at a hunger scale and look at the nuances between be, feeling extremely hungry to over and uncomfortably full. So that um, they, my clients begin to kind of really tune into that. It takes time. Um, but that focus and that awareness can really help them to sort of tune into that. And Absolutely, because I also teach the hunger scale, and it's such a good guide for so many people with all sorts of variety of different eating disorders to be able to, for them, you know, every time, you know, they get to that point, even if they have suppressed that feeling of being hunger, but say it was one o'clock lunchtime, it's like, okay, well, let's really tune in. So where would you be on that scale? Mm. And how, you know, yeah, so the way I do my scale is a scale from zero to 10. So 10 is when you're completely full up, zero when you're empty. I don't know how you do it. And then yes. ideally it's eating when you're between four, five and six on that hunger scale. Yes. So anything yes. below, you obviously don't want to get below that because that's a kind of a danger zone. And then anything above seven or anything above six um, it's asking yourself if you do end up eating, you know, I always call it the cookie question. So I know I'm not hungry for this food. So what feelings am I trying to change? Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. What is it that, what else am I needing? Um, and, and, and then focusing. And it's so, so much comes down to that sort of self-awareness, I think, really. Um, 
So we do a lot of work on that in the journaling. So and and thoughts that come up around food. Um, obviously, people that you know, for, you know, for some people, there's a lot of anxiety, as I'm sure you <laughs> work with a lot um, around certain foods. So we also look at, for example, for some people, you know, breaking down understanding for them almost like a traffic light system of what foods they're most anxious about what what are sort of the amber foods what are the red foods and what are the green foods and then working through gradually to reintroduce them and and then they notice that actually there was a lot of anxiety before but it's okay um and just sort of kind of uh just getting used to eating those foods again and 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 sometimes it's about the quantities of those foods as well yeah, absolutely. And it's taking very small steps. I had a client this week that she, we were talking about her fearful foods. Um, and she's at that point now where she was, one of her fears was actually going to a coffee shop and having a, a muffin there. And mm. so the plan, one of her goals this week was for her to go to the coffee shop with somebody that she felt safe with, and then actually have ordering the muffin and then just maybe having a quarter of that muffin so just beginning to break that pattern yes yeah and 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 it's amazing actually how you know often I say that to people you know after they've tried their sort of sometimes whether it's peanut butter or chocolate or whatever and it's like and how was it Oh, you know how was it for you afterwards what happened and, and they go, actually it was fine and yeah. I'm going to do it again. And, and it's, it is those slow, slow, gradual steps, I think. Yeah. Um, that's so important. Yeah. And so what else do you say to your clients talking about, you know, people, particularly people with bulimia and anorexia, how, how, well, it's like such a clever skill at the time to be able to avoid the feeling of being hungry, mm. which I really don't know how I did that now. 15 years of having bulimia and anorexia and now if I don't keep my blood sugars up it's they're screaming at me going right we're gonna make you shake you've got to eat you've got to eat and I'm like oh my god I've got to eat. help help yes <laughs> a sandwich. yeah so it's completely turned around so so what else do you um so with that with the the um reducing and and ignoring the feelings of being hungry how do you how else do you introduce that with um, so we get yeah so we get them to i uh, get them to to think about it and notice it and often and write down um on their in their journal obviously their numbers on the scale um and and just really talking about it and noticing around how they're feeling so around the food so if they I think it's important to also particularly for someone who's more you know come from um, more anorexia uh, you know the sort of anorexia type tendencies and behaviors um, just putting in those ensuring they're putting in those regular meals at first because they can't just rely on obviously rely on those hunger um, signals initially um, so, you know, uh, just noticing the changes 
once they become aware, notice the changes in how, as you said, you know, now you feel like you really notice, um, you know, full well when you're hungry. Um, and, and actually just because they gradually, I find that a lot of my clients gradually, you know, it just comes gradually where they're like, you know, I'm realising now that not now I've started to put in my breakfast. I'm really feeling it. Um, and and of, of course, they feel so much better at the end of the day. Um, so I think it's just that sort of talking through as well um, what's gone on for them during that week, um, having an understanding of, uh, you know, what looking talking through their journal and um, understanding what's gone on. And, and perhaps if things haven't gone so well for them, for example, if they've had what, you know, had a bit of a sort of a lapse or a blip or whatever, which I call a learning event with them, it, because it's very much it's what can we learn from it? You know, it's such useful information mm-hmm. rather than let's uh, beat ourselves up about it. Um, you know, understand why. And and then often they'll go back and say, well, yeah, I realised that I did skip my breakfast, actually, yeah. um, on those two days. And I di- and that led to that you know later on in the day or you know feeling like that so I suppose relating it back to you know how they felt and symptoms and um you know throughout the days that can be really helpful as well yeah yeah and Marcel one thing I did want to ask you about which I know is um a big worry for many people in recovery is the bloating Yes. So what do you what do you suggest? What ideas and um, that would help them with that? Yeah, this is a great question, because I find many of um, my clients, particularly those with bulimia, um, are really triggered by bloating. Um, And um, some for some of those clients, they've had the gut problems first and that's been part contributed perhaps to the development of bulimia. Um, so and what then, sort of gut problems? So they, even before? Yes. Yeah, so they might have had, you know, IBS type symptoms. So we're talking about, you know, obviously bloating, um, but also, you know, changes in their um, stools, um, their bowels, how their bowels are working, uh, gas, um, all of those kinds of symptoms. And so sometimes they've had, um, I, I know I'm thinking about a couple um, of recent clients who've had, you know, started off having all these sort of bloating problems whenever they ate, and then they, you know, it sort of made them feel that feeling of fatness. Yeah. But what we do is we very much talk about their physiology with that, what's going on, um with your gut actually when when you feel bloated let's talk about it very often there's um you know perhaps an overgrowth of bacteria or something you know proliferation of bacteria perhaps in the small intestine which what happens is when we eat and they're fermenting their foods um sorry the bacteria is sort of higher up where it's it's not really supposed to be and it's fermenting the food and creating a lot of gas which creates the bloating you know in sort of basic terms but um talking about so that they kind of can visualize actually this is what's going on 
in my gut and that we need to work on. But this isn't about overeating. This is about feeling bloated because, you know, there's stuff going on in my gut and because of the bacteria and what they're doing and what they do naturally in the natural process. And then what happens as they start to move forward in their recovery with that? Yeah. So for some people actually just changing, obviously their eating behavior and um, the way they're eating can really just help alleviate the gut, a lot of the gut symptoms. Right. Um, So, you know, I've had, I just remembered um, one young lady came to me, actually, she came to me for her gut symptoms um, rather than her sort of history of disordered eating. And she'd been sort of trying to address the gut problems with many different people and been down like lots of testing, lots of done, done so many different things and never got anywhere. And actually what, one of the things that we did was, so we kind of worked the other way because I do work with people who sort of come to me just for gut, but also a lot of people come because they've got both things going on, you know, gut problems and disordered eating. Yeah. So, you know, we just, had a look at her sort of eating behavior and um, she had been sort of binging for quite for many years and had a you know very difficult relationship with food and we really worked on eating mindfully simple things like slowing down eating more balanced getting uh, her blood sugars more regulated and and that was that was the key thing you know, that made a significant step forward in her, you know, her feeling bloated. And obviously that because that was quite triggering for her. So it was a kind of vicious circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did do some other, a few other things as well, but m- that made the most significant difference, just changing the, the way she was eating. So, yeah, so that can be really helpful. Yeah. Um, sometimes it takes longer and there's more work just depending on what's been going on with them because obviously the um disordered eating can have so many different impacts on your gut and slowing everything down slowing your especially if you've been restricting food um and you're just uh your your digestive system sort of slows down and doesn't work as effectively and then that makes everything feel you know uncomfortable you get the bloating you get the um you know feeling full prematurely and all of that so there's lots of um things that you know it takes can take a bit of time to work through that yeah yeah and what about probiotics yeah probiotics can be really helpful um certainly in some situations um there's you know for most people, that can be quite effective. For a lot of people, I should say, not most. Um, so probiotics is um, working with the building up the good bacteria in the gut, isn't it? Yeah, it's just helping to rebalance because often one of the problems is that the gut can become, um, you know, basically you've got your microbiome, which is like I like to think of it as your sort of garden. Um, in your gut, your oh, ecosystem, the, garden, the flourishing yes. garden, hopefully. the flourishing garden, the ecosystem, and what you know, like a garden. If um, you've had issues, for example, if you had antibiotics, which you needed, but it kind of knocks out 
all of your bacteria and there's quite a lot of space it sort of leaves space so I like to think of that's kind of like the weed killer in the garden so you've got a lot of space and then actually the ivy for example that will take hold because there's loads of space and it will start sort of proliferating and growing um, so in your gut similar things can kind of happen for a number of reasons stress and you know lots of different reasons why um and certain things can start to take hold sort of opportunist opportunistic uh bacteria or yeasts can kind of take hold so the balance becomes uh you know out basically it becomes imbalanced and that's where you can get some symptoms and, and things there. So probiotics can be sometimes a helpful way to, to rebalance it. Now, depending on what's going on for them, some, uh, some particular strains can be more effective than others. Um, and, you know, it, it really depends. But if somebody has an overgrowth of bacteria, sometimes probiotics might, you know, you might, not get on so well with it what, an overgrowth of bad bacteria well just it, not necessarily even bad because i think a lot of the you know it could be some of the bacteria wet basically when the back a lot of the bacteria that we have living in our gut if it's all in good balance it all works very well but it's when something um one of those you know particular or a few of those particular strains um become really proliferate and right. overgrow and then they can start causing problems and symptoms it's not that they are necessarily bad in themselves it's just that, that, that they've become out of balance so sometimes it can be helpful to get that back into balance but so one of the symptoms would be bloating then uh, possibly yes yes that could be a reason why um and sometimes things like digestive enzymes can be helpful actually just you know to help Okay. Where the, you know, while you're working on the sort of mindful eating side and getting your digestive system really going again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's very, very interesting for us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So, Marcel, hmm. so uh, as much as I, I want to carry on talking to you, but we, we're running out of time. So tell us about how people can find you and what you're doing now and, um, and yeah, and how people can find you, basically. Okay, so um, you can find me on um, Facebook at Marcel Rose Nutrition, also on Instagram at Marcel Rose Nutrition. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, I have a free Facebook group called the Food Freedom Collective, um, which I... Um, I really want to support people with, you know, uh, binge eating, just their relationship with food and their body. Um, and I do live uh, videos every week in oh, there about a topic, answer questions and, you know, general support. So, um, oh, yes. So, yeah. So do come and join me there. Um, and just thinking what else? I also do have... Um, a download a free download as well that I can send you the link to which is called what the diet industry doesn't want you to know um oh, right. and that's sort of breaking down the dieting and weight loss myths oh yeah 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 oh I love it I love it so you work majority of the time online uh yes 
yes. So I work um, over Zoom and um, online with with one to one clients as well. Yes. Oh yeah, we need to find out more. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, we do. We do. So well, Marcel, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me here and chatting to you. Yeah, thank, thank you so much for all the, the, the useful, well, powerful information, helpful information that you've given us here. I know that, you know, so many people will find it really helpful. Yeah, great. Well, I hope if I can help in a small way, then um, that makes me happy. So <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So thank you, Marcel. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's all for today's episode of Bulimia Sucks. So thank you to everybody for listening. And before we go, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes so you never miss an episode. And let us know what you think of the show. So show some love to your favourite podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Well, thank you so much. And I look forward to chatting with you in the next episode. Bulimia sucks, but you don't. Kate has just released a new best-selling book called Anxiety Hacks with proven techniques, tools, and tips to calmness. Check it out now on Amazon.